Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Happy Friday and a holiday weekend, everybody. I hope everyone is finding a small way to celebrate during this time, even if you are doing it from home. This week, I am interviewing Terry Najad, a board-certified Ayurvedic practitioner. And I have to say, I personally was so excited for this because I have been hearing about Ayurvedic medicine But every time that I have tried to kind of dabble in it, I have become so overwhelmed and none of the information that I have heard has really given it to me in a way that made sense. And I really feel like in this interview, we were able to get to the root of what Ayurvedic medicine is based in. The fact that it's this incredibly diverse, applicable, 5,000 plus year old science medicine, but then also break it down into how it can be applied into everyday life. And Terry just does a fantastic job of really taking us along piece by piece and showing us what are the doshas, how does that manifest itself in physical ways, in emotional ways, in diseases, etc., and how we can kind of shape our lifestyles accordingly. So I really feel like this is such a great intro to Ayurveda for beginners, and I hope you guys absolutely love listening and learning from the beautiful Terry Najat. All right, Terry, well, welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm so excited to dive into all things Ayurveda with you. Great. I'm actually really looking forward to this. Thank you. So I always ask my guests to start off with a little bit of their background. Where are you from? What was your upbringing like? What led you to where you are today? What led you to Ayurveda? Okay, very good. Great question. So I had a Middle Eastern upbringing where... um, you know, we kind of followed the family tradition of food and uh, lifestyle. And then when I got into my teens, I kind of started an unhealthy lifestyle and went to a different direction. <clears throat> but within me was always this curiosity about health, even though I was going through a really unhealthy style of life and my mindset was unhealthy, I was really curious about health. So when it came to my 16, 17, for some reason I got interested to learn about the immune system, how to strengthen it, because I knew that was something that helps your body defend. And I learned about echinacea. (laughs) So I became really into echinacea and started taking it religiously and introducing echinacea is really good for the immune system. Is it a product? What is it? Echinacea is an herb. Okay. Yeah, and it actually helps build the immune system, and um, it's something that you can take as a little child up to, you know, late stages of life, and um, it was the first herb that I was introduced to, and it was working. I don't know whether it was a placebo effect or, Mm. I mean, but it was working amazing, and then I started 
you know, exploring other avenues and, but still that didn't become my career of life. I tried every type of style of careers from the corporate to the um, retail. And then finally, um, I got into Ayurvedic medicine, but the way I got into it was really interesting. It was by accident, okay. literally. <laughs> uh, in 2010, I got into a really bad car accident and I fractured my ribs and I would just mentally, emotionally off. I mean, I was in a really kind of like a dark place and from the accident, from the trauma, it kind of led to me just, um, not doing well. And I was seeing this chiropractor up in seal beach that was also an Ayurvedic doctor. So he was treating me Western and also Eastern, but I didn't understand what he was doing. He was pretty far from my house. And every time I'd see him, I would feel better, but I didn't know what I was doing. And he would say Ayurveda. I'm like, what was that thing you were doing? Probably four or five times it finally took me to be able to repeat the word okay. Ayurveda, <laughs> okay. new language. So I had to find a new doctor closer to my house. So I found this um, this medical doctor, Ayurvedic medical doctor in Newport Beach, and they do Western and Eastern medicine. And thank God I had med pay with my car insurance, which mm. covers everything. It's not restricted like regular oh, wow. insurance. So whoever's hearing this, know that your car insurance has something called med pay and that back then there was no restrictions. They would pay for everything. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, really awesome. So when I started to go to this Ayurvedic doctor, they were doing physical treatments, oil treatments, and then throughout the uh, office, they were talking about panchakarma, panchakarma. And then finally, I'm like, what is this panchakarma? They're like, it's a cleanse. It's a detox. It's a very intense detox. I'm like, well, my insurance covers it. Let's do it. Yeah. Why not? And at that time, I was already gearing towards a healthier lifestyle. I knew this was kind of like where I wanted to go. And so they started, they, we started on this detox. It was about four to five weeks intense. I mean, I could spend a really long time describing what I went through. I won't get into do too many details, but it went to probably about 70 to 80% of the toxins out of the blood detoxes out. Wow. And you have to be under a Ayurvedic doctor to do this. It's not something you want to do on your own. And it's based on your body type. So it's not like a detox for everyone mm -hmm. based on your body type. So after doing this and being so incredibly disciplined, more than I never ever thought I'm capable of, mm -hmm. I did this and I came out feeling like a whole new person, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm -hmm. And the doctor saw how enthusiastic I was about this. So after the last consultation, she's like, why don't you just go to school for this? I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> I, I'll never forget no that hesitation. moment because it was like an instant, okay, so... I started researching schools, quite a few within California, and I found this school in Whittier, which is Southern California University of Health Science, which is one of the biggest alternative medicine schools around, mm. and they offered the most intense um, uh, clinical hour programs as, as long as like the two-year program that I went to. You can do educational or you can do practitioner. So I did the full, full practitioner program, two years nonstop, and it changed my life. Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah, it changed. Okay. Yeah, it was amazing. It was so that's that's how you got to it. By accident, yeah, literally, literally. And yeah, but it wasn't by accident. Mm -hmm. And I always like just think that insurance adjuster that accepted all of my treatments. Mm -hmm. And even though at some point she was skeptical, 
when I would communicate to her, she felt something was really positive out of this. So she approved everything. And I thank her and I wish all good things for her always because she helped me be able to experience this and go through and see it and then go through school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know I said this before because we were chatting before starting, but I feel like Ayurveda is a very vague term, even though it's one that I believe is now sort of more common, but Mm -hmm. I know that most people, I think, do not really understand the grasp of it. So I think we're going to spend a little bit of time sort of breaking it down into its pieces. What is it? How does it work in terms of medicine and lifestyle? So wherever you feel we need to start, (laughs) just take us there. Perfect. So Ayurveda, let's actually just talk about the definition. So Ayurveda in Sanskrit means the science of life or the knowledge of life. And you can consider it the oldest practicing medicine uh, still being practiced today. Um, 5,000, some people say 8,000, but we'll just say 5,000 year old science that uh, is based out of India. It's an Eastern medicine, but India actually has established it as a science. Mm -hmm. And it's came back to the story of these sages that um, were witnessing sicknesses and deaths and problems within their villages and there was no solution and so they prayed they meditated upon some sort of um, miracle knowledge to help these uh, people out and the beautiful story is that they they downloaded the science of medicine as far as the nature aspect as far as the herbs and how to heal through different types of herbs within their vicinity and through trial and error they started healing and curing a lot of the people and started getting better and over the course of the years um, it kept becoming more established and I would say about 5,000 years of research Mm -hmm. I mean it's a science but it's like 5,000 years of research because they're constantly you know uh, trial and error on on people does this work yes it works it doesn't work so still we're doing trial and error but we know what's working and what's not mm-hmm. working and ayurveda is not just a science or a medicine it's a lifestyle mm-hmm. it's something that most people can apply into their life it's a knowledge based on your relationship to nature uh, the understanding the nature's laws and rhythms knowing how and what your role is, understanding what your imbalances are, and to truly grasp the concept that you are unique and what you should be living and eating is not the same as your neighbor or your husband or your wife or your child. So Ayurvedic medicine sees uh, different body types, constitutions, or in Sanskrit, we say dosha. And dosha is... uh, we have three different types. We have a vata, pitta, kapha. So we base Ayurvedic medicine on five elements, earth, wind, fire, space, and water. When these five elements, which are in nature, and they're also within us, because we're a microcosm and a macrocosm, when you partner these elements together, they become a dosha. They become a body type. They become a constitution. So vata, pitta, kapha, Wata is air and uh, space. Kapha is water and earth. And Pitta is water and fire. So when these two elements partner together, they become a biological humor. Biological humor in Western medicine is dosha in Eastern medicine. Okay. Okay. So 
you either have one, two, or all three of these within you, but one is going to be dominant. So that's going to be your base constitution. You can have two that are so close to each other that are um, pretty high up there. So you can have both of them, but most people have at least one to two to three. And they exist in our food. They exist in our herbs. They exist in the ecosystem. They are seasonal. Seasons change. These elements change. So understanding that concept and realizing what your constitution is, whether you're vata, pitta, kapha, or vata, pitta, kapha, vata, however it is, um, you can base that into what kind of lifestyle you should live. For example, I always use the example of fire. So if you're a pitta, we're going to say the base of fire element. You have that element high in your system. Uh, You're going to avoid that element into food. Why? Because if you keep eating fire type foods, uh, you are going to be prone to fire diseases, which can be in your blood, your liver, your spleen, your eyes, your skin. You can fall into those. Um, Same with the vata. If you start accumulating too much vata element because you're a vata body type, you're going to be prone to vata diseases. And same with kapha. And that's not just physiological. It's psychological as well. So vata, pitta, kapha is also a mental, emotional aspect within you. Does that mean that's permanent? No. Just because someone's like, you're a vata pitta doesn't mean you're vata pitta for life. There are some exceptions. For example, you're physiological. Some people are more bonier. Some people have more um, adipose tissue, some more muscle tissue. Some people are shorter. Those are also aspects in your dosha. So you can't say, I'm going to make that short person become tall. So they're going to change from a vata to kapha. However, when it comes to uh, psychological, that can always change. Yes, you can be a fire type that has the good parts, which is you like to take charge psychologically. You like to make decisions. You are good at making transformations. However, the downside of fire psychological is you have temper. You get angry, frustrated. Does that mean you always have to be like that? No, you can change that as well. So understanding the psychological aspect and the pros and cons of each one, you can master vata, pitta, kapha within you. Mm -hmm. You can know that the good parts of vata, the wind element, psychologically they're creative because wind moves so they can move with the wind they can grasp things they can think quick they can make decisions fire you can take charge you can become ceo you can transform make things happen earth which is kapha you are understanding your earth your mother earth your emotional your kind your caring those are all some of the positive aspects some not all avata pitakava so you understand those you can apply all those within you mm-hmm. and have the nice balance. Mm-hmm. So so in a nutshell, we all come into this earth with sort of our inherent balance of each of these and it's different for all of us. Yes. And then keeping that balance or eating foods that will keep us in that balance is what will help us avoid diseases mm-hmm. that come from having mm-hmm. too much of any one mm-hmm. of those. And I think one of the things you also said is that foods also have are within these categories absolutely okay yeah so let's let's talk example here um if you're pitta and you're prone to heat because fire is heat so your pitta body type 
you should avoid fire type foods like eggplants, peppers, spicy, fermented, even salty because salt will absorb the water. So that'll um, imbalance you from that cooling water element. Mm. Um, And also lifestyles, you want to try to avoid too much heat. Pitta type shouldn't be going to the sun all the time. Pitta type shouldn't be sitting in the sun all the time because that can um, elevate their their elements. Mm. So it's all about understanding your body type and the relationship it has in nature and do that nice Mm -hmm. balance. So you're in homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So you are in a nice balance, preventable position of your life, mentally, physically, and emotionally. So I love that because what I love, I think about Ayurveda is that it is, you know, in a sense, if you are ill, there are, it will sort of help you get back into that balance using all of these different modalities. Mm -hmm. But even if you're not, it's a way of saying, look, here is your so wonderfully unique makeup in this world. And here's how you can use what is already in this world to encourage that, keep it in that beautiful balance of homeostasis for you specifically. Definitely, definitely. And that's, I feel like there's so many brilliant sciences out there. Uh, However, the one thing that is lacking understanding is that there's not a one-size-fits-all. You cannot give um, a walnut to everyone and think they're going to adapt well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You cannot give one type of medicine to everyone and think they're going to adapt well. So you got to understand that individual and look at their history, uh, look at their family, look at their genetics. You, You take all those into a factor to customize this beautifully formulated lifestyle that is easy towards your lifestyle. So let's just say in India, they practice this, you know, many people practice this in India and they're very uh, strict on it. They're very, very strict in it. You know, they can sit there and take their tea herbs three, four times a day. We don't have that time in Western culture to sit there, make teas three, four times a day. So we adjust the style towards your lifestyle. So if you're on the go, you're on the go. Instead of certain teas, you might have to just take the powder into capsule and just take it with water or hot water. And uh, we, it's adjustable to you. So if someone's like, oh, I can't live like that, it can. Everything can be done. It's not going to be 100% like that, but it can be done. We can apply at least some part of this science into your life. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody, but... For those who are doing it and practicing it, it's very beneficial, very beneficial. So now for someone listening who's like, okay, I'm intrigued, how does one go about finding what their their sort of inherent dosha balance is? And then also, as you said, it can change over time. So how do people check in? How often should you check in with that, that change that can occur? So to understand your dosha or your body type, there are ways, for example, quizzes online, you know, pretty standardized. You can go to a practitioner. You can do online consultations. You can just read a book. It's not like it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It seems complicated because it's terminology. It's kind of complicated because uh, Ayurveda is based in the Sanskrit terminology. So you're like, dosha, I don't, I don't even, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but it's actually really simple, especially when you understand the translation. So you could just read it online. I mean, we have all the information at our disposal. We can take it, take that and, and really uh, educate ourselves. Or if you need to actually speak to someone, you contact a practitioner. Mm-hmm. 
Or just go to school like I did. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, you're slowly convincing me. So then, so let's say like, because what I'm having trouble understanding is, let's say I take a quiz right now and it tells me right now I'm more Vata. Mm -hmm. But how do I know that, how do I know is, is that because I'm truly more Vata or is that actually I'm out of balance? I'm actually more Pitta and my Vata's too much right now and I bring it I need to bring it down good question okay so we have prakruti and we have vrikruti prakruti is your constitution vrikruti is that constitution out of balance so prakruti is what you're going to understand okay so I am medium built I have medium amount of muscles Um, my skin is kind of dark and I have you know, bigger eyes and medium eyebrows. So we're going to say you're like a pitta body type. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not going to really change. I mean, you can shave your eyebrows off, but <laughs> we know you're, you're born with a pitta body type. Okay. Um, but I'm dealing with indigestion. My bowel movements are not regular and where they are, it's kind of hard to go through that experience. Mm-hmm. So I might have a vata imbalance because vata is a wind and air element that dries things up Mm. so that lubrication the digestive juices are drier so you're not able to purge out waste product so that's going to be your imbalance so you're going to understand your dominant dosha your constitution but then you know speaking to a practitioner or reading some books you can be like these are my imbalances so i have a vata imbalance just because you're a pitta doesn't mean you have to have pitta imbalances everything can accumulate too much or be depleted of mm-hmm. based on your lifestyle based on your lifestyle based on what you intake based on your history from before maybe things you did 10 years ago is now showing mm-hmm. nothing sometimes shows the next day so mm-hmm. some okay. things are shorter term some things are longer term again it seems complicated but when you dig deep into it it's so refreshing because you're like oh wow that makes sense mm-hmm that makes sense and then I mean I've had simple clients that had GERD that couldn't lie down because at night they were feeling like acid was going to come out of their mouth we took out coffee and vinegar from their late meals lying down a couple nights later you know we did put some cooling elements some herbs and stayed away some hot you know pitta style foods easy done Mm -hmm. they didn't need to go like do some sort of <laughs> crazy medicine or crazy lifestyle. Just take things out, be aware what's causing this, mm-hmm. and just avoid it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean for the rest of your life you can't have coffee. But what we're going to do is cool the heat down and have it at a amount that your body can handle. And you're always going to have to counteract with cooling elements as well. Mm-hmm. So if someone really likes spicy, okay, maybe we'll have a little spicy, but we're going to add some cooling elements as well. So it's it's not going to overheat your body. Mm. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful approach too, because I think so much of what we're told and what we're fed in media and sort of the health world is a lot of it is one size fits all, first of all. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's it's this concept of just, you know, well, my doctor said I uh, can't eat peanuts, for example. And so they just sort of right away shut it down and will never eat peanuts again for the rest of their life. Or, you know, right now, every time I do uh, a jog, I don't feel well. So I'm just never going to jog again. But right. in reality, it's just life comes in waves and we need to adjust with it. And right. 
having that intuition and being able to really read into our bodies and say, you know what, right now that doesn't feel good. Right. So I'm going to give it a break for a little while and see what does feel good and practice that. And then when that next shift comes, I'll adjust accordingly. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's, you know, it's like a, a vehicle. You need an oil change. You need a tune-up. You need a, you know, filter. Doesn't mean the car is never going to drive again. You got to figure out what's wrong with it, fix it, give it some time, and then slowly go on again. Mm-hmm. And the most important concept of Ayurveda is the digestion, because we see all disease starts from the digestive system. Mm-hmm. So that's where our main focus wants to be, because what comes in should be broken down waste into nutrients waste properly should be purged purged out and the nutrients should be properly absorbed if you're eating the healthiest food does that mean you're absorbing all of it no Mm. so we go into the concept of digestive fire that helps break down food so that's another important thing that uh, we should understand is having those digestive enzymes and acids and bacteria to properly break down we call it agni in sanskrit and ayurveda that also needs to be strong. So uh, your lifestyle is really important, but to understand what's internally active and not active is also really important. Mm. And we do diagnosis as far as pulse diagnosis and tongue and eye, and um, those are also things that we can look into to understand imbalances in your body as well. Yeah, so I'm really interested what an initial Ayurveda, Ayurvedic session consultation is like maybe compared to what a conventional medicine consultation would be like sure so i am quickly interrupting this incredibly fascinating conversation with terry to tell you guys about a promotion coming up this holiday weekend with one of my absolute favorite skincare companies osea malibu And for any of you who have been following the podcast, you'll know that I actually interviewed the founder of Osea a few weeks back. So I will link that podcast episode in the show notes and we dive into everything related to non-toxic skincare, why it is so critical to make sure that we are using products that are truly non-toxic. They are not harming our bodies in in any way. And we break down what some of those common toxic chemicals are that are used in most products. And then what truly sets Osea apart in terms of just the quality and the intentionality that goes into every single one of their products. And so this holiday weekend, they have a special going on with any purchase of 125 and up. You'll be getting a free mini body trio, which is a $54 value, and it includes travel sizes of their Andarian algae oil, their anti-aging body balm, and their ocean lotion. Now, I'm truly in love with every product I've ever tried from their line, but if you asked me, I would say the one product that you absolutely need to get, everyone should have in their skincare routine is their hyaluronic acid serum it is so incredibly moisturizing i was oozing over it in an instagram story a couple weeks ago so that is where i would start and then you can browse through their products to see other products that might be related to what you specifically need whether it's acne anti-aging some of my other favorite products of theirs that i use daily are their 
cleansing mud, their blemish balm, and then their sea minerals mist. And they actually have an amazing chat box where you can literally just jump on there. Someone will instantly get on with you and you can ask them exactly what products they think you will need for any of your skin concerns. So highly recommend you guys check it out. And if you do, let me know what you think. You can find a direct link to the promotion in the show notes. Now back to my conversation with Terry. Um, we dissect you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need to know everything, literally. I mean, uh, depending on who you go to, but our standard uh, history intake would be, uh, first, we want to see your chief complaint. What's bothering you right now? Tell us the top few. We don't need to hear all of it because we're not going to get to all of it. Let's be common here, common sense. We're going to try to first um, work on the top few important ones. So we get a little bit of your complaints your issues and then we'll go into your history i'm talking about history and family history your personal history your lifestyle breakfast lunch and dinner what time you wake up what time you go to sleep because that also plays a factor what time you eat that also plays a factor why because vata pitta kapha rotate throughout the day so you'll know when your digestive enzymes are the strongest between 11 and 2 when they're the weakest when you should have the heavier foods when you should have the lighter foods mm -hmm. so all those play in factor knowing that um, also any kind of medications you're taking, um, bowel movements, sleep patterns, whether you're sweating, if you're, I mean, those little details of even the smell of your sweat, mm. um, we'll check your pulse, we'll check out your tongue, even we'll listen just to the way you talk. Cause that also kind of gives us an understanding of, oh my gosh, yeah, wow. it's really interesting. And there's no judgment. It just, um, we're just kind of taking it all in. Cause that helps for us to understand where you're at at that moment. Mm. So when we do the history and also that's part of the history, but to understand your constitution, there's like a bunch of questions as far as what taste you like, what taste you don't like, what kind of weather fits you better, what mm. kind of seasons are better. When, what part of the day do you find yourself more energetic? What are your sleep patterns like? Do you walk fast? Do you walk slow? Um, do you think fast? How's your memory? All those can help us identify your constitution. Okay. Yeah. And again, just by when you say constitution, that's just sort of your inherent yes, makeup. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That also includes the psychological part of it. But again, I believe the psychological part isn't embedded in you because even though you're a temperamental person, you can say you're pitta. You have the ability to cool that down and bring kapha and vata within you as well. So can you quickly, you did a little bit earlier, but I'd love to, if you could do it sort of all three, for each of the doshas, if you could just list what that might look like for a person in terms of how they behave, maybe their emotional side, and then likewise for each of the doshas, if it's... It, if pros it's and too cons. Much. Yeah. yeah, pros and cons. If okay. it's too much, the physical and the emotional sure. stuff we're okay. seeing. So Vata people, as far as physical, they're a little bit more uh, smaller. Their bone structure is a little smaller. Things, uh, their features are a little bit smaller. Uh, they, um, as far as, let's say, psychologically, because it is the wind element, they are 
things are fast, fast happening within them. So we'll see like Vata people can be like the artists and the creators and, um, you know, they can handle a lot of things because things are moving fast and that's just how they can, they adapt to. So they, um, you know, those are the pros as far as psychologically, physically, they're just a little bit more smaller, structured, features are a little bit more smaller. The downside to the imbalances of Vata um, physically, things will dry up if that wind element has gone up. So you'll have issues with um, digestion and um, purging out waste products. Things will start drying up, skin, hair, um, the lubrication even in your eyes. Um, you can accumulate toxins a little bit more like because your digestive enzymes that heat is churned off because a wind element blew it out, you can say. Um, metaphorically and um, as far as psychologically they can become anxious they can kind of just go a little crazy because there's so many things coming at them and all of a sudden they can't handle it and their mind is just over overblown and they will lack sleep insomnia um, again that anxiety feeling and you know you can go into psychological diseases like bipolar mm. you can say mm. i actually rather not get into titling but mm -hmm. yeah so mental issues because things are just overwhelming and you can't balance and ground so the mind's all over the place okay let's go into pitta the fire element so they're pretty medium-sized um they are more warm their body type's a little bit more warmer they're they can be a little bit more tanner skin uh their eyes are a little different than Vata's eyebrows, nose, ears. Doesn't mean everyone looks the same, but if you want to do an average overall look. And as far as their psychological aspect, the pros are they're like CEOs. They're like the presidents. They're the go-getters. They see a goal and they get to it because they're fire and they transform and they make things happen. Mm. And that's brilliant. It's beautiful. And then everyone should have that within them. They're the go-getters. Uh, the negative aspect of an imbalanced pot, uh, pitta would be anger, frustration, temperamental. Um, they blow up and they can lead to diseases like heart attack. Mm. Ugh, angry, angry, heart can't handle it. Mm. You know, accumulation of years of anger can lead to that. So they're going to need a little bit more kapha in them. The water, the calm, because that's what kapha is. Kapha is the third one, the water element. They're the calm. It's water and earth combined. So think of Mother Earth. Mm. They're nurturing. Their body type's a little bit heavier because they have more, you know, muscle and fat tissue. Does it mean they're all fat mm. or big, but they just carry more muscle and fat tissue? Um, they're the Mother Earth of stability and grounding. You're going to go to them for some kindness and you know, support. Uh, they can physically have issues with um, cholesterol. And another example would be like tumors mm. because those tissues will start, if it's overgrown, kapha, they'll start accumulating in weaker areas of the body. This is just examples. There's way more to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to not overwhelm you. Uh, psychologically, the cons of kapha is depression because they're so emotional, they can mm. take in more depression they're more quiet and into themselves and sad and um 
you know, depression would be like the main thing you see in a kapha type. And so, yeah, so the pros and cons of vata, pitta, kapha are those. However, you can take the pros of all of them and apply it because <laughs> now, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be a little bit more kapha. I'm, I'm so fire. I'm so, you know, angry and temperamental. Instead, I'm going to be a little bit more understanding. Let me, let me rise my kapha up mm-hmm. or kapha people can be lazy because they're a little bit slower. Ah, oh, just wait on that. I, but let's accumulate a little bit more vata. Let's mm-hmm. move. Let's get things done because mm-hmm. that exists. So, so it's kind of like mastering all three mm-hmm. within you because it can be done. You're not stuck. <laughs> yeah. You're stuck in your body type <laughs> yeah. in a sense, not completely, but in a sense. So, but you can master understanding those and bring the best within you. Mm-hmm. And it's just a general, again, as you said, it's a terminology that we can use to just understand where we're at. And then I know a, a large part of Ayurveda is food right. and we'll definitely get into that. But it's also, like you said, if you're more kapha, calm, a little slower, maybe you need to trigger that fire with some foods, but then also some activities right. exactly. that ignite that fire. Exactly. So there's also exercises that are um, recommended. Like Vata people shouldn't be runners, <laughs> you know, because you're already running. You're already, everything's moving so fast. So maybe some yoga or Mm. some pilates or just more like walking and going into like grounding walking and kapha people should do a little bit more higher impact because they're already like slower so go out and you know speed walk and do some aerobic exercise and pitta pitta can kind of do both but they have to be careful that they don't overheat themselves so you shouldn't be like out there you know, you know, doing like two hours aerobics where you're overheating mm-hmm. or, you know, pump two heavy weights as well because you're going to overdo your body. So it's just finding that moment that's right for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how does it work with a practitioner? Is this something where, let's say you're just a healthy person in general and you just want to sort of keep that balance going and sort of be aware when those changes come, how often would you recommend someone seeing an Ayurveda practitioner? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, if you're feeling imbalanced and you can't figure it out on your own, you've tried changing the lifestyle and, you know, you understand some herbs that you can apply. There's some general herbs out there that, you know, are pretty easy and don't have the side effects that if you take it, you're like, oh, why did I do that? Um, and you apply those into your life and that's still not working. There might be something so deep rooted that you're not able to identify um, that you should go see. So you can help yourself to a point, but if it's that's not working, you go see a practitioner. Mm-hmm. I don't think that if you're feeling funny, you're like, let me go run to one. I think first you should kind of do an evaluation yourself, see how it started, when it started. For example, someone's like, I'll give a simple example. When I first started uh, the school, so I started being so enthusiastic, I wanted to kind of like, introduces and do consultations Um, and so there was this one girl who was telling me I can't sleep at night I'm like okay well let's go she's like I'm like are you drinking coffee she's like no you know did stress happen nothing everything everything's the same I just can't sleep at night I'm like okay well what are you eating at night and she's like I eat this this and then I have my juice I'm like, oh, okay, you have your juice, which in your juice? And she's like, this vegetable, this vegetable, this, 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 this superfood. I'm like, okay, when did that start? When did you start? Three weeks ago. When did your insomnia start? Three weeks ago. There you go. Hmm. 
You know, that there's so much going on in that juice that your body doesn't want to do that at night. It's trying to chill out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wants to take all that juice and relax. It doesn't want to overwork itself. That stuff is should be done during the daytime and when the sun is up. So your enzymes are higher and that can metabolize. Mm-hmm. Nighttime, you chill. You give yourself the least amount of effort, digestible food. That's simple. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't need to go see a practitioner. You just got to kind of go back and to see what what changed when those things happened Mm -hmm. and usually it's some kind of a lot of times some sort of like trauma stress that people forget about Mm -hmm. but the results happen later on and it's hard to go back because you you forgot about that moment but literally months weeks later you'll start getting those results Mm -hmm. of that trauma Mm -hmm. okay so i guess what i'm trying to get at is let's say i'm i feel perfectly healthy i'm good but i just want to check in every now and then is this something I could do or should do like once a month or like four times a year, sort of with the change of the seasons? How often should a generally healthy person see an Ayurveda practitioner? And then how often should someone who's actively trying to heal something? So I would first say educate yourself before you see a practitioner. Because when you go to see a practitioner, you're like, what? <laughs> like, this, like, no, and you only have a certain amount of time. Like, thank God that we're trained and taught to take time to talk to you and it's not a 30 minute in and out i've had two and a half hours before literally i'll sit there and um you know it just we just have to go that kind of information needs to be applied in those couple hours so but before you go to practitioner learn a little bit before so when you go there it's not like let me start from beginning so you're a little bit um, aware of what it's all about Mm. And then that's when the practitioner can start digging into preventative, uh, more balanced. Maybe there's something you thought was good for you and it might not be that great. Uh, and you can just kind of expose your your daily lifestyle to a point. And they can be like, okay, well, right now, this season counteracts with what you're taking. So let's, uh, let's change that. Let's wait till next season before you have, um, you know, cold drinks in the in the winter mm-hmm. <laughs> let's wait till summertime mm-hmm. and but it's it's good to go talk to a practitioner at least once even if you're not feeling anything happening just so you are able to have question and answers because mm-hmm. a book you're just reading you know online just reading but if you actually have questions you you're going to need to speak to someone who has the experience mm-hmm. and then i assume it's also in a large part, the practitioner can tell you how often they think would be good for you to sort of get on track. But I love what you're saying that it's it's so much an education of yourself as well and just getting in tune with what you feel you need. If you mm-hmm. feel you need that check-in, have mm-hmm. that check-in. Mm-hmm. And if everything's going all right and you feel like you're really in tune, great, carry on, you know. It's like a physical, you know, you may feel great all the time, but it's, you know, it's a value to get your blood checked every so often just kind of like females we got to go to our OBGYN just to make sure everything's okay if something's off before it starts affecting Mm -hmm. you you can kind of you know do something about it Mm -hmm. so it's like a little Mm check-in you know just kind of how uh, fasting is so important so valuable to do if you eat nothing that's probably one of the best things you can do Mm -hmm. for a 24-hour period because you allow your body to recoup uh let the body to the pharmacy to start acting um detox 
And that's one of the best things you can do. Just once a week, once a month, I mean, however you can do, just take a 24-hour break from food. Let the body, like, reset. Yeah. Oh, I love that because the the body only has so much energy. Yeah. And if it's using a significant portion of that energy all the time, mm-hmm. digesting, mm-hmm. there's just less energy to do all the other things that need to get done. Exactly. And another thing that... Um, you know, cause there's a lot of like fads and trends that come out and there's intermittent fasting and don't eat anything until 12 o'clock. Well, <laughs> Ayurvedic medicine, we say, in fact, if you want to do intermittent fasting, it's not eating when the sun starts going down mm-hmm. because when the sun is up, remember where are trying to understand the nature system. So when the sun is up, the enzymes are on, the heat is up. So that's when you're metabolizing the best, mm-hmm. um, especially between the hours of 11 and two, depending on where you live, but usually around 11 and two, 10 to two. So if you're not eating for half of that time, but then you're putting all this food around six, seven, eight, when the, the time is up, you're trying to just relax mm-hmm. and the body's just done with all that work. It's kind of like you go to work from nine to five, are you going to keep working five to, you know, so on? No, you're going to come back. You're going to relax and you let the body reset itself. So I'm going to say for the most part, if you want to do the intermittent fasting, it's better to do it at night, mm-hmm. not eat after a certain time, maybe depending on where you live and the time of the year, because the sun comes down different times of the year. You know, when it's close to sundown, stop eating mm-hmm. and just go to the next morning. Mm-hmm. I've actually heard that before and I've been trying to do that, but I notice a huge difference even in my quality of sleep Mm -hmm. when I stop eating around the time Mm -hmm. the sun sets at least within three hours of going to bed and I go to I go to bed at nine so nice I usually stop eating around six but um yeah I've just noticed such a huge difference right I mean the example that I gave you with that that girl where she couldn't sleep and we found out it was her juice she just changed her juice she slept better Mm -hmm. simple little Mm -hmm. transition And I do want you to touch on a big part of Ayurveda I know is seasonal eating. Mm -hmm. And I want you to dive into that because I just love that concept. I think it's so scientifically grounded and it's not something many of us are aware of. Right. Okay. So if we are going into balance, so if a season is a certain way, we want to live the opposite. And let's just say fall. Fall, what is it? It's usually kind of dry. It's cold. Um, So you want to avoid dry and cold foods more wet and warm like more cooked lubricated foods cooked with geese or certain oils Mm -hmm. Um, soups are great because it's wet and it's warm and it's easy to digest and remember when it comes to cold seasons your internals are colder meaning your agni is lower so you don't want to feed yourself heavy foods because it's going to make the agni work harder and that is um you know, that's what you want to avoid. So you want to have foods that are easy, digestible. So you understand it's cold, my agni is lower, it's dry, I want to avoid dry and cold foods. Mm-hmm. Summertime, it's hot. Um, so hot, I want to have something cold. Let's try cooler foods. But again, some body types can't handle, I mean, again, it's not 
just because it's hot, everybody should be eating cold, dry fruits. <laughs> it's also depending if you're like a vata, you don't want to have cold and dry because you're already dry inside. So you'll have cold, but maybe certain kind of oils when you cook so it can balance it out. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's important to actually talk to a practitioner because if you haven't figured that those little formulas out, they can kind of like clarify. So now you're on your own, you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, same with uh, winter where it's wet and rainy and cold. You want to have more cooked, warm, and a little bit less wet foods. Okay. I love that. And I love also that you said nature gives us exactly what we need for that season. Like you said, mm -hmm. in the summer, we have all those cool wet mm -hmm. berries coming mm -hmm. to us and things like watermelon mm -hmm. and strawberries and blueberries. And mm -hmm. in the fall... I don't know, some of the, the foods that are perfect for making a soup are all right. ripe and right in season. The squashes and the, mm -hmm. yeah, the more grounding foods. Mm -hmm. So you have more like the grounding, like uh, root foods that are coming too during those seasons. Mm -hmm. um, and the one thing else I was going to say, oh yeah, with the seasons, one of my favorite ones, which we discussed earlier, was pomegranates. Like that is one of the most funnest ones to explain that pomegranates and the amount of antioxidants that it has and those antioxidants really help build the immune system. It comes right around the time the seasons change. So during that time, we're susceptible. We're still living in a past season and not adapting to the recent, the current season. And so our immune systems are kind of a little bit lower. So pomegranates come to protect us mm -hmm. and that happens with all seasons you just got to kind of pay attention and then really understand the purpose of the food food is not just to satisfy your taste buds mm -hmm. it's a form of medicine as well mm -hmm. yep and just pay attention what is nature giving us right now right exactly I exactly it's it's perfect it's so beautiful yeah so now how does ayurvedic medicine ayurvedic lifestyle how does that pair with or sort of balance with other modalities mm -hmm. even things i mean western medicine for one but even things like we talked about earlier naturopathic medicine mm -hmm. homeopathic mm -hmm. things like acupuncture is it sort of a we don't need any of those or there's a time and a place um so when it comes to all these different brilliant scientists and medicines um not one of them is going to fix everyone and that's just known i mean that's why we have so many different ones. Uh, some herbs on some side of the world are going to be able to support that side of the world and herbs on the other side of the world will support those, South America, Eastern, Western, Northern. So does that mean that if you're not living South American medicine, you're, you're out of luck? No, that means what you can find in, at your resources, what is right for your body type, with your lifestyle, with the way you're living, with what you can handle. Some people can't handle Ayurvedic herbs. Some people can't handle Chinese medicine. They rather do homeopathic. They rather do naturopathic, or some people rather um, do the lifestyle of Ayurvedic. So everything can be put together integratively. Uh, you don't have to choose one and think that's the one for you it's always good to explore mm -hmm. and complement everything can complement each other so from what my understanding is prince charles um has recovered from COVID 19 this is just what i read i can't say 100 percent through ayurveda and homeopathic so he used them both mm -hmm. and it worked mm -hmm. supposedly um, I know some Ayurvedic doctors that are Chinese medicine doctors because they see the quality and the value of both of them and they apply both of them. Mm -hmm. um, so that it goes with everything, even Western medicine, everything can be used together. Mm -hmm. It's 
sounds complicated, but when you understand these different alternative medicines, you'll know what will fit you and your lifestyle. So there'll be so many research and cases out there that homeopathic has helped this, this, this. Um, but you may not find that in Ayurveda. Or you may find it in Chinese medicine. So it's all about exposing yourself and researching mm -hmm. and doing your homework. Because if you're just going to sit there and hope the answers are going to come to you, it doesn't work like that. It's um, those who seek will mm -hmm. see the answers, mm -hmm. will get the answers. I love that. And as we, we were saying before we started recording, again, we're just in this environment that really pushes on us. This is the one size fits all for everyone. Right. Um, chiropractic is the cure to all your problems. Acupuncture is the cure right. to all your problems. And the reality is just, again, we are all so incredibly unique and different that maybe acupuncture did heal you of mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. But what I'm seeing is it's not healing me of everything. So I'm going to go look to other things. And it doesn't mean I need to reject acupuncture right. altogether. It just right. means my personal genetic, chemical, DNA, psychological Today makeup. Today doesn't need it. <laughs> doesn't need it right now. Or it needs it in combination mm -hmm. with something else. And I mm -hmm. think that's what such a beautiful message here in all of this is that we have to, I mean, we really need to start stepping up and taking accountability right. and empowering ourselves that we are our number one advocates. Right. We, we, we are our doctors. Go. Exactly. We need to go on that journey ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to be willing to go explorers. on it. Explorers. We shall be those explorers. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, I mean, so much of us, and I've been there too, it's just, I want my doctor to go on the journey, mm -hmm. come back and report to me mm -hmm. what's going on and mm -hmm. sort of give me that, again, that quick fix or that one thing that's going to solve it. And right. I think so many people, they want one thing to right. solve all their problems so they don't look elsewhere. Or right. if that one thing doesn't solve all their problems, again, they reject it entirely. And it's just, you know, exactly. it's not that black and white. Exactly. It is a little gray. And we need to just go on that journey and play with different things and educate ourselves and dabble in this and dabble in that and just see Absolutely. where it leads us. And I, and I so agree on that. And, you know, unfortunately, these what we call CAM, complementary and alternative medicine, because all these fall into CAM category. Um, most people, no, I can't say most, a lot of people don't know 20% of them mm -hmm. or 20% of what it does uh, because they will just take in what they're given. And, a, you know, a true, you know, doctor, which is yourself, is going to go and explore because you are your first doctor you know what's going on with you and then you can share that with someone who has practiced it and then together you can come up with the solutions mm -hmm. and um, it's so important for you to be open-minded about other medicines because i personally know i have friends that are dealing with certain things and they will not go another route and tell and sometimes it's good it's good to go to the end of something with no results and be like okay fine I'll try something else mm -hmm. in fact we recommend that in some ways is like if nothing else worked for you come to us mm -hmm. because that's when you're going to be more in a surrender mode like help me I'll, I'll take it mm -hmm. um, and you can never try to persuade or try to convince someone of any of this medicine it's got to be their own um, will and enthusiasm and most importantly enthusiasm mm -hmm. so if you're going into any of this type of complementary medicine and you're thinking this is not going to work more than likely it's not so this also has a placebo effect to it as well mm -hmm. for sure mm -hmm. um so yeah you just 
with an open mind and a willing to know that this takes some time. It's not going to happen overnight. You may not see instant results with any type of complementary alternative medicine. But once it's there, it goes down to the cellular level and it recovers. Mm. And that's what's valuable. We go down to the root cause and fix it. Mm. And it's not a Band-Aid. It's digging deep and starting from the get-go and working our way up. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So I always end with, what are some really reliable resources, websites, people, books, individuals to follow who people who are intrigued by this they want to learn more they have that enthusiasm where, where can they go for more information good question I probably should have written notes down so my source of knowledge um, first comes from an individual Dr. J and Dr. J was one of my professor professors and he to me is one of the most genius Ayurvedic doctors I've known and I can probably come across there may be more but I'm just going to speak from my own experience um, sometimes I just make an appointment just so I can just ask him questions. Like mm -hmm. that's how, not that I need to, he's so kind hearted and open to always, um, helping. Like that's, that's one of the things that I love. I don't know how other medicines are and I'm sure they're like this, but the ethics behind Ayurveda is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like they, they teach us, this is not a, we're not trying to do money making business. We're try, trying to make, be millionaires. We're trying to move, make movements. We're trying to heal, heal ourselves first. And so, um, that's that's how he is so I get a lot of knowledge from him there are so many books out there there's an Ayurvedic encyclopedia which um, I can actually tell you if you want to add it to a link mm -hmm. yeah like, yeah take it yeah, yeah whatever and if you if you can't recall some good ones right now also you can email me and I'll, I'll include good the idea. links to those because I have a bunch of notes. books over there but I can't tell you who wrote it or what <laughs> yeah. that's my mommy memory actually yeah, yeah. Um, but you know you can go on YouTube there's some great talks out there and yeah just um, it's got to feel right so whoever you're listening to has got to feel right some people have taken Ayurveda and made it trendy and it maybe worked for them or some people are too too authentic and it's like I can't do it like that so you got to see what works for you what mm -hmm. makes sense what feels right mm -hmm. again just coming back to that intuition coming back to that intuition absolutely yeah. Well, thank you so much, thank Terry, you. for coming on and explaining it in such a graspable way. That right. was so special. Thank you so much. And I hope that I was able to give all the right information out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was such a beautiful interview with Terry. I could listen to her speak all day. She is so incredibly calming and eloquent so for any just tuning in, I always love to end my podcast episodes with a little bit of a challenge and I call them magnetic moments. And it's a way for you to take the information that you've just learned and apply it to your life in some small, easy to manage way. And so for this week, I thought it would be really fun to challenge everyone to go and take a little dosha quiz and see what your inherent dosha might be. And I actually was lucky enough to have a discussion with Terry herself and discuss what she felt my inherent baseline dosha was. And she explained that I am definitely very kapha, very water and earth and the calming, the mother nature, which I completely resonate with. But I would love 
to hear what you guys have found each of yours are and if you feel like it really resonates. So I included a link in the show notes with a great place where you can go take a dosha quiz. And again, you can message me on my Instagram, my Facebook, my website, and just let me know what your dosha was. Let me know what you thought of the episode. I am always so, so eager to hear from you guys. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with someone who you think could benefit from this and consider leaving a rated or word review so that others can also find this information. Thank you all for joining me in this journey. Thank you for being a part of this community that I'm trying to build. And until next week, everyone, happy Memorial Day weekend.